you have to put a tarp underneath the girls you bang or what, man? I've had a beautiful evening hanging with Vance. Hanging with Vance. What are words we can't say at school? What are words we can't say at school? In chapter 10, there was the first major shootout. Put the second egg in, and then you have her on her knees, ass in the air, her chest again. Like, Listen, Vance, she's my goddamn wife. Stay the fuck away. I'm joking. Did you have to take it with you? God damn it, I'm pissed that you fucking missed it. Come and play with us. Forever. And ever. And ever. Oh, thank you, thank you, I appreciate that. You guys can sit down, uh, relax. Oh, ma'am, no, you, yeah, shirt on, please. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. All right, okay, okay. Easy, easy. Let's let's just get Elsa on the phone here. I think we got him. Hey, what's up, buddy? Can you hear me? I can hear you fine. How you doing? Pretty good, man. There's a little bit of an echo over here, but uh, that's probably my roommate's uh, girlfriend. So if you hear heavy breathing, I apologize during the interview. Sure, no problem. You threw a recent summer jam, second year strong. Tell us about it and how it started. You know, I threw uh, 2017 Viva Las Vandals. You know, the idea kind of started with, I had a hand in, in kind of helping make Colorado Crush a little larger when it was uh, more of a local thing. And then I, I kind of helped bring in more people from all over the country. And I watched that kind of blow up a bit. Uh, ever since then, I kind of wanted to, you know, have a hand in another paint jam. Done the, you know, the Winwood thing and all that. And it was cool, but it was a little too bougie and posh for me personally. I wanted to throw something that was somewhere in between those two things, something that was on the West Coast, but would attract people from all over the country, all over the world. Uh, so I came up with the idea of Viva Los Vandals. This year was the second official one. It really blew up this year, and I thought there was a lot of really good artists. I was proud of, you know, bringing it together. If standing up, taking a leak, that's number one. And sitting down, you know, that's number two. What the hell is number three? So my question is, will there be a number three? There absolutely is going to be number three. Pretty strong network over in England. Talked to some English writers about flying in for the event. Also talked to some Irish writers about flying in. So I'm hoping that they're going to come. I don't know if you've ever heard of El Fresco. They are the UK's largest uh, paint distributor. They've even talked about coming out next year and setting up a booth and you know bringing some artists with them. So I think next year it's going to be a much more organized event. And I'm also trying to do this thing where I make it a little bit family friendly, like up the level of the artist, but also have like a little bit for everything. You know, like I want there to be drinking and music and a good time. I want it to be also during the daytime, family friendly, uh, you know, so there's something for everyone. There's going to be good artwork and good people and a nice mix. You got young writers, old writers, some have weight in the game. Does it matter what level you're at to throw an event? And if so, what's your advice? My advice is 
I've seen people that haven't been in the game very long throw kind of successful events. And, and then I've seen people that have been in the game for a long time throw not good events. Maybe they invite too many thugs or maybe it's too posh and like it just doesn't somehow kind of match up. And I think it has a lot to do with personality. So certain personalities seem to get, gravitate towards it and be good. I think anyone can make it work, but it's just... For me, it's always been like trying to find a, a certain amount of balance. So I feel like if you can get the right balance, you're cool. If you go too far in any one direction, it might not work out. Yo, guys out there listening, we all remember our first piece of ass. But do you remember the first piece you ever painted? I would say the first piece that I ever like really did, because I painted before, but I, it was kind of like scrappy practice pieces or scrappy not quite what I would consider a piece but I think my first like I had a sketch I went to the wall and I made it look like you know it was supposed to and the colors were right and the size was right I would say my first one was probably uh, like 86 87 and that was uh, not too far from my house at the time on the railroad tracks that later became the Woodman Yard in uh, Los Angeles yeah man 86 87 uh, did you ever think back then that you would be where you are now? When we were doing graffiti back then, and graffiti, you know, one of the things that I commonly trip out on is how mainstream it's all become now and how kids, like, you know, really gravitate towards it. Like, when I was growing up, I think a lot of kids had a, had a period in time where they got into skateboarding and some of them stuck with it. Or some of them, you know, a lot of kids just kind of went through a phase of it. And nowadays, I see a lot of these kids going through, like, a graffiti or a street art phase. Uh, back when I was doing it, it was really underground. Like, I, I didn't even tell all my, my friends I did it. I remember, like, running into other writers was, like, was kind of something special. It was, like, uncommon. And I remember there would be, like, some gangster writers that, like, you know, did graffiti and didn't even tell all their gangster homeboys. Or there'd be, like, stoner dudes that did graffiti. And it, it really kind of brought in, like, a really, uh, like, a subset of people. And uh, it was interesting. It was, like, a really interesting time. There was, like, the elements of hip-hop, but there was also kind of outsiderness to it back then. The truth is, things are always going to change. And graffiti isn't any different. And the changes, man, you know, they're good and bad. No, I agree. I mean, it's, it's brought a lot of good things to graffiti and I think the world, but it's also had its drawbacks for sure. And, you know, I feel like the world has almost become, or the internet's become like a giant high school popularity game now. And I feel like sometimes people decide what's important because of it. Two things you never want to debate, religion or politics. But if graffiti is your religion, then why is there politics in it? Why the shit is graffiti infiltrated with politics? I've experienced both ends of it. I've been on the popular end. I've been on the unpopular end. I feel like definitely has a lot of cool and who's not to it. The only thing that can really outshine any of that is just perseverance. It's like, you know, staying consistent, staying in the game. It's almost like you gotta weather all of that stuff. It's the only way to kind of get through it, I think. A river cuts through rock, not because of its power, but because of its persistence. So it's not really talent that helps you go where you need to go. It's just the sheer will. I've seen some guys that were just okay, and I've seen some guys that were amazing artists, and the guys that are just okay, just over the period of years and years and years, they you know, became amazing. And it was like the guys who started off so much more talented than just didn't stick with it. I think there's, there's something definitely to be said for natural talent, and there's also something to be said for longevity and just sticking with it. And I, you're right, that's with anything, you know, and I think graffiti can be a hard game in itself, you know. There's a lot of climbing and a lot of thinking it through and, and you know, not being an artist, 
doesn't just do the same piece for 40 years or 30 years. You know, even that's tough in itself because it's easy to fall into your own kind of, your own rhythm and, uh, and get boring. And I think that's really one of my biggest challenges is always trying to come up with something that, you know, that's different, that's growing, even if it's only slightly. Some of my favorite pieces of yours are like vertical pieces or at a 45 degree angle. Is that usually your idea that plans that I've seen you do with other artists? Well, you know, I went through a phase where I really liked the idea of movement. Like, I wanted it to look like it was moving, so I would, like, stretch my letters out diagonally and pull my 3D down into the corner. I wanted to kind of have that, you know, that old-school, like, Batman look where it's, like, coming right at you kind of feel. And I just started stretching it out, and then next thing I know, it was, like, going vertical. And I liked the idea that I wasn't seeing everybody else doing it. And it was one of those things where I think I did it for, like, three years solid. Like, I was always doing strange angles like I went from the bottom all the way up I went diagonal you know many times at the time I wasn't really getting a lot of feedback about it and it was like it took quite a few years before people started talking and at the time I was doing it and I kept expecting to hear something from someone but it was like I guess it just took a while to filter through and people to get an opinion about it I did enjoy it and I still enjoy doing it it was just one of those things I did it for so long that I didn't want to I didn't want to always be known for it your style's pretty intricate it has a legibility feel to it but it's definitely technical aspects layering uh, kind of a braided Celtic designs. Do you have a name for your style? Is, is it wild style? Kind of describe. Most of my stuff is considered to be wild style, and then I would kind of fall under a couple different things. Like I like to do, I like to do like techie wild styles where I feel like things are sharp and broken up and kind of digital looking. Now I like doing organic styles also where I feel like things are kind of like knobby, like maybe growing or organic looking. Usually I like to have my letters look like they have some attitude to them, like some movement and some attitude. You know, in the last couple of years, I've tried more into the chunkier, blockier styles. I've tried to blend that with, because I feel like that's kind of the trend of letters these days, is a little chunkier and, and blockier. Uh, but I still want to kind of mix in the movement aspect and the wildness. But I really try and paint as many different styles as I can. Preparation for anything. Well, I mean, if you're going to be in a boxing match in three months, you're going to want to train, you're going to want to prepare. Some of your favorite pieces you've painted, do you think you were prepared to paint that best piece, or was it... I went through a phase where, like, I just never brought sketches or had references. I just felt like uh, I, did, I wanted to be able to show to a wall with whatever paint was there and make it work. And I felt like that. I felt like that was a real strength of a graffiti artist is to be able to take any space you're given with any paint that you have, you know, just be able to work with whatever with no preparation. And I practiced that for, for a long time. Me and my boy Forsaken, we kind of really got into that, pushed ourselves to just be able to work with whatever we had. And I think we both were pretty successful with that. Now, I think since that time, I've focused more on my backgrounds. I've tried to like work more characters in, and I feel like when I'm doing those kinds of walls, I definitely go in with a more prepared idea. And, you know, I'm older. I have a little bit more money now. I can think about color schemes beforehand as opposed to when before it was like working with what I had. I think preparation is good. The more preparation you do, your walls turn out great. But if you don't have the ability to work with whatever you have and still make it look fresh, then I feel like that's a weakness that you work on. You know, taking your lady out for a meal is great. But what do you think about bringing your lady to like an illegal painting spot? I've never done that personally because 
I've seen it go pretty badly. I mean, when I was growing up, being pretty fucking grimy. The 80s and 90s in Los Angeles, your gang hoods were, were very territorial. You know, the homeless were in the crack epidemic. It was pretty rough. So I've seen dudes bring girls to yards when they're painting during the day. You know, back when yards were kind of a little bit more on the illegal side. Like, it used to get rowdy, man. It seems like it was just asking for someone to say something inappropriate, start some shit, and get into it. And so I just always kind of avoided it. I felt like that was part of my life. That I didn't really want chicks to really know about it all that much. Let's do a little role play, but not in a sexual sense, and pretend that I'm a telemarketer trying to make you renew the warranty on that old car of yours. How are you going to handle that incoming call? I usually try and just get off the phone as quick as I can. I have the ability to not really give a fuck if I don't want to. <laughs> so if I don't want to talk to someone, I'm just like, no, no, cool, not interested, bye. Do you remember the first album you ever bought? What fucking genre and what album? I'm kind of curious. I remember the first two albums that I ever got and my, uh, my poor mom fucking lost it. I still have one of them. One was White Lines by Sugar Hill Gang. Uh, it was a record. And then the other, Dead Kennedys uh, in God We Trust Incorporated. And I still have the Dead Kennedys in God We Trust Incorporated record. I lost you know, a lot of people I've asked that are like, yeah, dude, um, MC Hammer or something. And they're just like, <laughs> they hate their lives. <laughs> I would hate to say that too. <laughs> um, yeah, I still got the Dead Kennedys and, and I'm pretty proud of that. Man, that old Sugar Hill Gang, man. Just something about that song to this day. It's called Dozen Storm Albums. Like, oh, it all happened. White Line Highway, tell all your friends they can go my way, pay your toll. You ever hitchhike, bro? Yeah, it was 1990. I caught some heat in Los Angeles on some gang shit. Simple had moved to Cleveland, Ohio with his parents and I called him up, you know, basically told him like, hey, let me, you know, can I come out and visit you? And he's like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh, that's cool. And I was like, are you sure? Because I need to get out of Los Angeles. And he was like, yeah, yeah. You know, when did you want to come? And I was like, I'm going to get on a Greyhound and I'm going to come, come right now. And he was like, oh, you now? And I was like, sure. So I went and stayed with him for like three months and, uh, on the way back. Anyway, I took a Greyhound out there and it takes like two and a half days. I think I was 18 at the time. And I stayed with him for like three months and when things kind of blew over and I was ready to come back to Los Angeles, I decided to like halfway back from the Greyhound, I started hitchhiking because I felt like, when am I going to get this opportunity to see America and see what's out there and see small towns? And I feel like uh, the country was kind of different back then. I hitchhiked and man, I like slept on some roadside with some Indians and one state and you know, I met some people in, you know, I met some girls in some other states and like, you know, drank all night with them type things. And I had a little bit of adventures and I was kind of like, I felt like I was being a part of America that, you know, now I feel like when I go cross country isn't so much there as it was back then. So I feel kind of lucky to have seen a little bit of the old school America. Yeah, I definitely got into some adventures. And I was riding and tagging all the way across the country uh, back when, you know, it wasn't really all that much of it out there. Uh, it was kind of funny, like every now and then, like at Greyhound stop, I would see someone up and I could tell like, oh, they must have been coming from here or they must have been coming from there. And it was kind of cool. It was like seeing a blueprint of what later kind of turned into, you know, a, a much larger thing. Definitely trip of a lifetime and it kind of molds you into who you are. If current Elser could go back to that bus stop and talk to past Elser, say you had five minutes, 
Maybe not graffiti conversation, whatever conversation. Is there anything you would tell past Elser? Like, listen, you sick son of a bitch. Look me in the eye, goddammit. And what would you tell yourself? You know, I, I sometimes think about that, and sometimes me and my wife talk about that. And unfortunately, I was super, like, kind of crazy and hard-headed and stubborn when I was young. I was, I was on some, like mission to make a name for myself and kind of show everyone how hard I was. And I don't know if there was anything I could have told me that I would even listen to. One thing that I would like to say is I never thought that like when I was tagging on buses in LA and kind of, you know, riding on stuff on the side of buildings that I'd ever be getting paid to do it. Definitely say you'd be amazed what happens if you stick with it. And I kind of wish I practiced more. <laughs> That's the one thing I would have liked to tell myself is stick with it and practice more. I think quality at the end of the day wins. As as much as bombing and all these other aspects are a vital component, they're an artery or a vein to the graph game. I think when you're 70 years old, you're going to have a small book that has maybe 30 of your favorite pieces that you just either have it on the wall or you flip to it. I I definitely think, you know, a really solid piece with all the fundamentals nailed. It's like a good song, you know, it has a good chorus, uh, simple lyrics. I mean, if you just nail the fundamentals, it works. No, I agree with you. I think for a long time, like, I wasn't really anything special. I just was kind of, you know, run of the mill, and I wasn't even all that good. You know, I just kind of came to a point, I remember, where I thought, you know what, I'm just going to try and get good. Like, I'm just going to force myself to try and, like, do fresh pieces like the people that I like and admire. But, you know, it was frustrating, man. It was, like, frustrating for years and years and years. I guess that hard-headedness just made me kind of stick with it, and it, it took years before I ever really liked I painted. You know, if I can give any advice to anyone, is it doesn't matter how good you are when you start. It, you know, how long you stick with it and how hard you try. You know, I think we've crossed paths before. I can't. I couldn't pick you out of a lineup, but if I remember correctly, you got a pretty decent build. You're a decent looking guy. You know, you're easy to look at, but kind of hard to be around. Is, is is life easier for guys like you, guys that are handsome? You think it's easier on you guys, or? <laughs> I definitely think that it's worked for me and it's worked against me. You know, in some situations, I definitely feel like it's gotten me out of some trouble when I could have definitely been screwed. I went to trial once. I was looking at like 14 to 17 years and actually I remember thinking like I had really kind of hoped that this this jury was going to swing my way and I got lucky and it did and took a deal for two years in prison. You know, it was all because of the jury and I I was an ugly, hard-looking dude. I don't know if they would have done that for me. But uh, I think there's been times where it's worked against me too, like all the tattoos and all that kind of stuff. Again, it's like when you open your mouth, that that has a lot to do with it, like how people kind of judge you and how they take you. So you can always work for what you got. Having come up in the Los Angeles graffiti scene and now traveling, what's it like being in other cities? How does it compare? I think in the beginning of my doing graffiti, like a lot of cities didn't have a graffiti scene. Like I remember when when I was staying, like I was talking about staying with Simple in Cleveland, and when I stayed with him, there was like there was there was nothing. We were the only people doing it, and there was like one old school guy that had moved there from like I think Chicago or New York. You know, in the beginning, I felt like you know you could usually track uh, every city's graffiti from like San Francisco, LA, or New York most of the time. But nowadays, there's so many different graffiti scenes that are their own city scene. 
and there's so many different styles that have kind of grown and now I think it's cool that I can go to like small towns that I wouldn't think they would have anything and they actually have a a really cool scene. One of the reasons why I started my website, Neighborhood Loves, because I traveled a lot of cities, I painted a lot of cities, and I thought, like, each city has its own kind of culture, each place has its own, like, favorite food spots, favorite drink spots, different places to paint, maybe the people that influence them. I found it so interesting that that was really my inspiration for starting a website that was about everybody's love for their own neighborhood. And, and kind of showcasing that and showing, you know, showing all these different things that, uh, that are out there. And as compared to Los Angeles, I feel like we can be a little uh, territorial and a little rough. And uh, some cities are like that, but there's been a lot of really, really cool, friendly cities out there also. So how long has the website Neighborhood Love actually been around? I would say it's been up now for about, I want to say, five or six years now. It's been pretty cool. I've got to interview a lot of people from, like, all over the world. Does from Love Letters, Nash from Love Letters, like, Defer... Uh, out of Los Angeles, Slick, I mean, you know, I've interviewed people from literally all over, from the South, from Texas, from New York, like all sorts of people from all over. Most of graffiti people, sometimes I'll interview street artists, sometimes I interview like uh, people that own really cool like stores, or sometimes I'll interview people that have really cool restaurant spots, or it's something that I feel like is interesting. Like if it's interesting to me, I want to share it with other people, and, and hopefully they'll get into it. I always thought Karma was just some dancer at a tapas bar, next all-black motorcycle club uh, down the street. But do you think showcasing artists and helping other artists get exposed is good graffiti karma? Oh, that's good karma. And I have to like, man, another, another 10 years of this and I'll be out of the hole. So uh, I feel like, you know, I did a lot of, I did a lot of not smart things when I was younger and I do believe in karma. So I don't know. Sometimes I try not to even think about it because, you know, I'm not trying to do it just for the good karma, but it's something I really believe in. You know, get plenty of things that weren't so good, and I feel like now I feel good about doing things that are, you know, helping out other people or giving shine to other people. You know, we got, like, the Oscars, uh, the Emmys, and all that. Do you think that graffiti should have, like, some type of award ceremony? If so, what fucking category would you be? of other cultures not directly but indirectly so I feel like other cultures besides graffiti have to be hurting from some of the millennials why don't you give us a rundown of what you've accomplished this year 
and maybe a few of the goals or things you're going to do with the rest of the year? I think that some of my goals is, you know, I was real happy with uh, with what I got accomplished so far this year. I went to Europe. I painted three different countries. You know, I've already traveled to New York and New Jersey a couple times and painted out there. I've Memphis. I, I attached neighborhood love to a lot of those things. I felt like I did a lot of work this year, so I felt good, even though I'm only halfway through the year. And as far as uh, personal goals, uh, I'm going to be curating an art show in Washington, D.C. It's going to be a small show, and I'm looking forward to kind of getting into that, putting together a gallery show, you know, under the neighborhood love name. And I'm also, with the website, I'm actually trying to put together like a little bit more of a staff in, in, in different cities other than Los Angeles so that I can have articles from, you know, on a regular basis. Because right now it's kind of irregular and it's it's me and a few other people like here and there. And I would like to get a, put a little bit more infrastructure on the website. My first four designs for like t-shirts, you know, and I want to do more of that also. want to highlight other artists for my t-shirts just do skateboards and just kind of step up. I feel like I, I got a lot done this year. I'm ready to, to kind of step out next level for Neighborhood Love. And on a personal level with painting, I definitely want to get more into, you know, doing more and more pieces. And I want my, my quality to kind of grow. That resume, that portfolio, I mean, just to still be in the game and then to still stack your freaking plate with that much food. And still be hungry. I mean, you're going back for seconds and thirds. So, but I definitely think right now, historically, is probably the most important time in graph to be painting because it's so damn fucking popular. It is. It is. And you know what? I have to say that, man, sometimes I get on the internet and I'm just like, dude, who are these people? Like, I've never even seen them before and they're already so good. And then maybe I'll ask somebody about them. And they're like, oh, yeah, they're kind of new. They've only been painting for a few years. And I'm like, I mean, it used to take a long time for people to get good. And nowadays, I feel like a lot of these kids get good so fast. So I feel like being good isn't enough anymore. It's like you got to be good. You have to be putting in the numbers. You have to be painting different places. I feel like it's kind of like when you look at how skateboarding or football used to be in the past and it was kind of basic and then you see it evolve over the years and something more complex. Like, I feel like graffiti's kind of like that now. Like just being good isn't enough anymore. There's too many people that are good. You know, you got to really do something to kind of stand out these days. So what's more important, man? Having good friends or a really good crew? You know, one of the things that like I like, I try to really focus on in the last few years is I try to focus on friends more than crews because I feel like I've been through a lot of personal drama with crews, you know, people that like I was good friends with and then you have your falling out and people pick sides or, or just like there's crew politics or I don't know, there just becomes like power struggles and things like that. So, and then there's also like being affiliated with crews brings beef and this and that. And I feel like in the last few years, I've really tried to focus more on people and friends and less on crews. And I usually tell people nowadays, you know, I don't care what beef you have or what crew you're from. If, if you're cool to me, I'll be cool to you. And I know that graffiti's become nationwide and worldwide. I think it's important to pitch good people and smart people that are going to kind of uh, be better than all that stuff. So, I'm real happy with uh, the network of people that I've built uh, over the years. You know, I have some really, some really good friends in graffiti, and it's nice to be able to travel to so many cities and be able to get connected with good people. And like, like Sloke, for instance, I painted with him for my first time uh, this year, 
And we had talked, uh, you know, through the internet for years because we knew so many people in common. And I felt like so many good people that I knew were good people referred me to him and vice versa that when I met him, I was like, he was exactly what I expected. Like a really down to earth, humble, good guy. So I think it's smart to make, you know, it's really smart to make good connections like that and, uh, and build on them. You know, 10, 20 years ago, before you could DM some asshole, you know, your crew, <laughs> your crew may have been your only link to traveling. Yeah. I think now the crew idea is more like you're speaking on more like like-minded people. It's like, listen, I don't care what the acronym is for whatever that means, but more of what you mean to me. Cause it's so real. Yeah. I like, I like uh, synthetic oil and synthetic tits, but you just came real with it. And I like that a lot more. Nice job. I wanted to give a shout out to, uh, one of my longtime friends, a really good painter, is uh, Forsaken out of uh, New Jersey. Uh, he's just he's been there over the years and been really solid and uh, really cool. Uh, he was one of the first dudes that I ever painted with where I didn't tell him step by step, like, oh, you should do this or change your background or do that or do, do this. He was like one of the few of the first guys that I ever kind of like purposely let him kind of struggle through a lot of things and figure it out and like give him little hints and little help here and there but he really you know he did it on his own it's cool to see someone like him who like uh, kind of grow and come up and, and still be a good friend graph for some reason and it's competitive nature you lose a yeah. lot of friends man you lose a lot of yeah. really close friends and 10 years yeah. later you're like fuck why aren't we still friends yeah it's crazy and it is it's, it is a really competitive uh, it's a competitive sport I guess in its own way I mean some of the people that you think are going to root for you as you get better end up like almost like getting jealous and turning on you or getting kind of pissy about it and then there's also the other side where people that would, wouldn't care at all end up kind of being like good advocates for you so it's you never know what you're going to get I'm just glad anyone's interested in what I do at all because like I said when I was tagging on buses man I never thought anyone even care. You know, you're like an adult film star, man. You've uh, you've really um, you've really come a long way. Uh, hey, adult film star, I imagine me with my shirt off and like a, with a bunch of blonde women. I'm all. Uh, I'm sure it's happened. I, I hope your wife doesn't listen to this. Appreciate you know people listening and caring. You know, all the only thing I can say is don't count me out. I've always done best when I'm under pressure. I got a lot of work to put in, a lot of things to do. You know.